This isn't an easy subject to talk about, but if it helps someone, then it's well worth it. I'm going to share about my journey through homosexuality. Or you may call it being gay. Sometimes I use the word homosexuality just because that's, um, to me, that makes it clear that it's something that I don't believe that I should be involved in. But I know today's uh, language is gay, and I'm, I'm fine with either way you want to talk about it. And I'm no expert on the subject, but I want to give my testimony of what the Lord did for me. And can I just tell you, since this conference started, I guess people kind of know some of my topics. I've had about five or six different women who have come to me and shared little snippets. Uh, some women were raised by uh, two parents of the same gender. Uh, some women um, were introduced to this in their, in their youth or their childhood or saw this as a as a possibility. I can't seem to find a guy or, you know, no one's asking me to whatever. I mean, just all these stories I'm hearing and um, it's so prevalent right now. Anyway, I think probably most all of us in here have been touched in some way or another with this in our families or someone that we know something. Again, our um, scripture is Mark twelve thirty. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I'm going to talk about loving him with all my mind because uh, that's sort of where I got let off track. I've given examples of how God healed my broken heart after the death of my mother. And he just, he just enlarged my heart through such a tragedy just because I saw his goodness in it. I mean, he brought her back just to tell me goodbye by saying that, he, that she loved me. I mean, it's such a miracle. Such a miracle. That's a God that hears your prayers and loves you. And sometimes we think a God that hears our prayers and loves us makes everything go away that would hurt us. And that's just not true. But he will help us get through it. I spoke about how God restored my wounded soul resulting from sexual abuse. You know, I had a lot of uh, um, problems and issues with that. I never lacked for boyfriends. I wasn't, um, this will sound kind of strange, but I wasn't promiscuous with guys. I, ne I never slept with guys. But I had some great boyfriends. I don't know how the Lord did this. I had one boyfriend I met in um, my sophomore year in high school. And we dated till my freshman year in college. And uh, he, he was a year ahead of me. So he was in college when I was a senior. And if he ever sees this video, his name is Kevin. He's been faithfully married for years. He's a, he's a good guy and a great guy. He had met a great husband. A great guy, but I was scared and I was wounded. And when it would start to get close to something like that, I wanted out. When I got to college... You know, and I joined a sorority, and there were all these great-looking guys and all these good parties to go to. And I met a basketball player, and his name was Steve. And uh, he's a principal now. He, again, he got married. He's been married to the same wife forever. He's got kids. And uh, he'd have made a great, a great husband. When he took me home to meet his parents, I never talked to him again, literally. <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds funny, but it broke his heart. I mean, he was what he, he was, he would plead, what did I do? What did I do? And I couldn't talk about it. 
I felt like I'd have to tell him what I'd been through, and I, there was too much to explain, and then I was scared. I was scared. Um, my mom did, wasn't successful with marriage. She tried, and um, they weren't good. She, there were some issues there, too. You know, and then I saw my aunt, who stayed married, which I thought was important, but she was miserable. She was miserable. And I thought, well, how do I know I won't end up either one of those choices? And I don't want either one of those. I don't want to go from person to person. And, you know, and I don't want to be with one and I'm stuck. And, and a part of the being with one and being stuck is that you don't have the Lord to help you get unstuck, not divorced, to help you get unstuck. Where are you stuck in? What's the matter with your marriage? What's going on? Then put God on your side. That's two against one. Put God on your side and do what he's telling you to and restore it back to the goodness that it should be and could be. And you know, you don't do that, ladies, um, by nagging at them or telling them or complaining or telling them what they should do or tell them how they should behave. And just like they can't do that to us either, right? Well, it'd be, it'd be all good if you'd do this and you'd do that. All we have to do is take care of ourselves. Take care of yourself. Focus on your walk with the Lord you do what he's called you to do, and you live it out to the best of your ability, and you let God take care of the rest. You're his daughter. He loves you. I don't know why I said any of that, because that's not in my notes, but it's all true. So now I want to share about how he lit up the darkness of my mind. I believe that God provides a way out of even the most difficult and impossible situations if we get in the opportunity. And I want to tell you, this is the key and the secret. I don't care what your issue is, it's in here. Think of all the many years ago that this was written, and it applies today. Everything in it. You know, I told you I do Bible study every morning. I mean every morning. Have I said that? Every morning. And I don't say that in any way, uh, prideful or arrogant. I say it because it's my lifeline. It's my lifeline. Even with this conference and all the studying I've done, I'm in this book. Even when I'm on vacations, I'm in this book. Every morning, I need it. And I tell you, it never fails, whatever's going on, even at our house. And, you know, I live with Phoebe and Teresa, and they'll all tell you, even at our house, things will go on, and whatever we're reading goes right along with something that's going on. Every single time. Every time. So I don't know what your issues are. We've all got issues. We've all got a past. We've all got things that are going on. He's got answers for you right here, and he loves you so much. And this is a lot of what I'm going to talk about tomorrow, about strength, because this is where my strength came from for anything I've done. Um. This may be a topic that you've had no experience with personally, but the same God who delivered me can deliver you from whatever it is that you're in. All these stories I've shared, we've all, you know, I've heard people talk about death. Oh, my gosh, a lot of people, you know. I mean, we've lost people. We've gone through terrible uh, losses. We've all had stuff. And I don't know if any of you have tried to go through it without the Lord, but, oh, my goodness, I just can't imagine if I'd have gone through any of this without him, he just made all the difference in the world. I want people to know, when I share this story, how much God loved me during that time. 
patient he was with me, yet he never went back on his word. He never said, well, that's okay, Lois. You can live that way. He never said that. He never went back on his word. And his word also says that he loves me. It wasn't that he didn't love me just like I am. It was that how I was was wrong. It was that it wasn't what his best was. It was that I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. And a parent that loves you, that's what they say. You know, I, I haven't had kids. I've had a dog. And a, and a dog isn't even, doesn't even compare to a human life. And I corrected that dog when it did something wrong because I loved it. I used to live on a busy corner. And I'm, I don't know if you know this about me, but I can be pretty strict. I, I was a PE teacher. And uh, I could have a gym full of kids. I'd see 800 kids a day. doesn't seem like it's possible, but I did, 800 a day. And um, I can be really direct, and I can be really blunt when I need to. And I can make those kids sit down and get quiet and listen to me when I talk. And I did that with that dog. So we lived on this busy corner, and she was a Dalmatian, and I didn't want her to be black and white and red all over. And she, wouldn't, she wasn't allowed to step off the curb, and she knew that. And every now and then, I'd see her sniffing near the curb. I'd be raking in the leaves, and I'd kind of glance at her now and then, still raking leaves, and I'd think in my mind, she better not step off that curb. And, of course, every once in a while, she would. Her name, it's a girl dog, and her name was Isaac. I don't know. <laughs> I always try to use Bible names, and I just couldn't find a name that, I, I, that fit her anyway. She was Isaac. So I was constantly having to tell people, no, it's not a boy, it's a girl. <laughs> but she'd step off that curb, and I'd correct her, you know, and she'd, Isaac, she'd pull her foot back up, you know. And I'm sure those of you who have been parents, you've had kids like this. Yeah, I would never was a parent. I was a teacher, though. I had lots of kids do this with me in school, you know, and she'd kind of try it again. And what was the whole reason of that? It was my love for her, my love for her. She got so obedient I could go on runs with her. And she'd run to the next block because she was faster than me. Hard to believe, but she was. And she'd sit down at the curb and just wait, just wait, wait, wait. And if I could see it was clear, I'd, I'd either yell for her to go, but I'd get so tired sometimes I couldn't hardly speak. So I'd, I taught her if I clap my hands, that means she can go. She'd run across that road and you know, run ahead of me and stuff and then wait for me at the next curb. Such a good dog. Anyway. He loved me, but he didn't go back on his word because, because he does love me. And he wants so many good things for me. I didn't want her hurt. I didn't want her injured. And that's just a dog. I'm, a, I'm God's daughter. You're his daughter. He doesn't want you hurt. He doesn't want you injured. He doesn't want you living less than. He doesn't want you listening to the lies of the enemy that say things like it can never change. It'll never be fixed. That's just not true. I want people to know that the whole time I was in this, he never changed his mind about what was right and wrong. And I tell you, that's a real neat thing for a parent or an authority figure to have. They don't change their mind on what's right and wrong. And God's never changed his mind on what's right and wrong. And yet his love for me never changed. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought he and I had broken off long ago. But what he did was he loved me through it, and then he led me out of it. And there's no one like him. I love the Lord so much.
What is he loving you through or trying to lead you out of or into? Daniel 9, 9 says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. And that's what I did. Um, you know, but he was so kind through it all. And I know we've all probably had times that we've rebelled. We've rebelled against parents and against authority. And that's what God is. He's an authority figure in our life. And we've rebelled against the things that he's told us and said to us. You know, we've all gone astray. We've gotten lost. You know what God says? Come back. Come back. Don't listen to the lies. You've done it too many times. Or, he, you know, it's never going to work. He says, come back. There's many people in this lifestyle uh, right now. And there's lots of reasons. And I don't even want to try to start going over the reasons. You know, people get pretty upset when you try to tell them, why they're certain ways or how it happened. We've all got unique stories. I mean, I just told you about five women just in these last few days that have told me stories about this same lifestyle in ways I've never experienced it or known about it. I mean, one day I was here in this church, and this young man came and tapped me on the shoulder. didn't even know who he was. He said something like, uh, you know, I'd really like to get together and meet with you. I understand that we have some common background. I mean, immediately, I knew what he was talking about, immediately. And, you know, he, their stories are unique. I've never met anybody with the same story, the same feelings or the same thoughts, exactly, of how it happened. You know, Aletha, Aletha talked about uh, the loss of someone in her life. She didn't tell you that when she lost those two daughters, she also lost her mother in the midst of it. And I thought how, how difficult. She really didn't get to mourn like she would have wanted to, the death of her own mother because her young daughter was sick and dying. Wow, she lost two daughters and her mother. We've all got, got things, and God's the key and the answer if you want to come out with victory and not come out wounded and broken and stuck and bitter and angry or have issues inside. We've got to deal with them. The enemy tells us that we can't. God says... We can do all things through him. The enemy says, you know, it's impossible, or we'll feel that way ourselves. It's just impossible. There's no way to get out of this. There's no way to turn this around. Uh, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be something financial, whatever. He'll tell you it's impossible. It just can't happen. God says nothing's impossible with him. You know, I can't change. I was born this way, and I never felt that, but I know some people do. Well, I, I don't even want to debate it with him. All I know is that God says he can do all things. So even if that is how you feel, he can change that. Uh, looks like there's no other way out, no other choice. God says he'll provide a way of escape. He provides a way. But you've heard people say that there's just not any other way. I just don't have a choice. There's no way out. Well, God says he'll make a way. We must know what God says to know what's true and then trust him to show you how to provide what you need to do the impossible. No one avoids difficulty, and God helps us through it, you know, all the different difficulties we do. But the enemy wants to harm us. Uh, in the midst of this sexual abuse, in the midst of um, this alcoholism in this home where I didn't really feel that I was connected with or loved, 
and I was confused. You know, there wasn't any outlet for all these emotions about what was happening to me and why, and uh, I really didn't have any trusted adults that I thought I could share with, or I was too fearful to share. I was isolated. It was an unfamiliar town. I'd been pulled out of my home and moved um, hours away. I missed my mother, and I felt unloved. It was a real low point, a real low point. And you know, isn't that when you're an easy target, a low point? Your finances just crashed and your bank account's empty and then they, you lose your job. It's a real low point. Boy, you're open and susceptible. The devil sees that as a target. God doesn't. God sees that, that as a, a way to come in and comfort and help you and encourage you and help you stand strong till things can change. And um, I had no church and I wasn't um, in the Word, you know. When I lived there for a while with all these things happening, it was just a crazy, crazy time, and um, my Bible moved to the back seat. I, w I was young. I don't want to make excuses, you know, but I was only 13. Uh, when we have God close, when we have right thinking, we're strengthened to do what he asks. Boy, if I'd have stayed in this, I think he'd have made me strong enough to speak up. I just believe that. If I'd have stayed in this, I think I could have avoided this life that I ended up getting involved in, if I would have stayed close with him, if I'd have maybe gone back to that church maybe one more time, what lie did I listen to? Nobody there knows you. You look weird all by yourself. Everyone's staring at you. You're putting your aunt out, having to drive you to this weird church way off, you know. All these lies, I quit, I quit going. I wish I'd have kept going. I mean, maybe that would have been a key or an answer. I have no idea. Um, the Bible kept, keeps me on course. It does today. Like I've told you, it's my lifeline. It's the most important thing I do every day. It's filled with hope and love and direction and strength and solutions and encouragement. I mean, it just lights me up every day. I start so encouraged. And um, I write down things that God tells me. I love, I love this book. This isn't the one I study with. It's the one I carry because it fits in my purse. The one I study with is bigger. It's easier to read. It's large print. <laughs> and you know, the church supports me. Man, you need to be involved in a church. If you're not involved in a church and you're not faithful, not only to attend, and again, I'm getting in some of tomorrow's message, but if you're not faithful to that church... You know, is that really your home? I mean, how do you do your home? Do you never take care of anything at home? Do you never participate in anything that goes on at home? Do you not strive to make it better? Do, you, do the things that happen to other people in your home not bother or affect you? I mean, this is my home, my home church. And the things that happen to other people, they bother and affect me. If there's two women that are uh, arguing together or, or upset about something, it affects us. Why? Because we're family. Just like if there's two people in your household that are bickering or arguing about something, it affects everyone. Don't think it doesn't. Find yourself a church home. I, I found one, and um, I work at making this my home too. Don't you have to work at making your, your house a home? 
You have to learn to give and take or it's not a home anymore. It's just a place to go and sometimes you don't even want to go there. So when you have a church, work at making that church home. Serve it. Be a servant there. And you're not just serving um, a group of people. You're serving the Lord. He's called us to do that. He's called us to do that. This church has given me instruction and fellowship and friends. For many years, I'd go to Fort Worth on Monday, get up early, 5.30, drive in, stay at a friend's house, work all week. That friend's sitting in this room. Stay at her house all week and then drive back home for the weekend. So I was gone all week, and when I came home, I had to mow the yard, and I had a pool. I don't know why I had a pool. I had to clean the pool. You know, I mean, it's just work. Do the laundry, make enough food to take for the week, see my dad, go to church, and then do it again. Gone all week. I did that for 15 years. You know, this church was really important to me. A lot of times on Friday afternoon when I'd be coming into town, I'd be texting people. Some of you sitting in here, I used to text, what are y'all doing this weekend? What's going on? I wanted fellowship. I needed somebody to hang out with. There's a girl in this room sitting in the back. She used to live in my upstairs apartment. And she's, she's a young lady. She was in her 20s. And she and I used to eat dinner and, and watch a, a movie or something. And she's kind of into sci-fi. I really wasn't into that. But I was into her and hanging out with someone. And she, she had all these long series. Like we watched the whole, I don't know how many movies there are in Lord of the Rings, but we watched them all. <laughs> But can I just tell you how sweet God is? How sweet God is? He didn't leave me all by myself. And there's more to that you'll hear in this story in a minute. Um, and, and, you know, Christian friends that will point you in the right direction. Not just any friend. I could have had just any friend. I wanted friends that would point me in the right direction. I've always been careful with uh, what I say because I, I want to hear the right advice and to who I say it to. You know, a lot of times we want to tell someone that we know is going to agree with what we want to do because that's what we want to do. You know, like you did when you were little, don't ask Dad that. He wouldn't like it. Ask Mom. That'll be good. You know, or the other situation, no, Mom's not good for that. Dad, he'd be okay with that one. James, um, they gave me biblical wisdom and they prayed with me. That's what they did here in this church. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Boy, when you got issues and you got those friends, tell them. Let them come alongside and pray with you. Confess your sin. You know how good it is to shed light on things that you're doing? You need to tell someone so they can help you. The devil wants you to keep it secret and not tell anyone until it grows up bigger and bigger or puts its roots in you deeper and deeper. Confess. Confess quick. Ooh, I'm thinking about this. Ooh, I'm thinking about that. Thinking about going to get some more ice cream. Now you know you've got to go. Don't, don't do that. Fall off the wagon. <laughs> Conviction brings repentance and offers a way out. But I was under shame, you know. Um, I wanted to confess these sins. I wanted to be healed and to be out. But I was ashamed to talk about any of it. So I'm in this low point of this sexual abuse. And I'm subject to wrong thinking, and I'm an easy target for attack, and I'm looking for ways to be out of the house. So I found this group. You know, I, I belong to lots of different groups, and um, 
I was pretty social and pretty active. And this one particular group, there were a bunch of girls, all about 14 or 15. I was 14, who hung out at this house. And this lady there uh, one day told my friend and I about this life and admitted that it was something that she was involved in. She was probably 10 to 15 years older than I was. And really interesting, she said, now you know this is, this is wrong. You know, the Bible says this is wrong. I mean, it's just a weird, kind of weird conversation. And, of course, I was horrified. I don't, I don't think this is how it was back then and how naive I was. I don't even think I really knew about that kind of lifestyle. And I thought that was kind of odd and bizarre, and uh, I was shocked with the whole thing. So anyway, after we found out about, about this, my friend and I, we left. And, you know, when you process new information on your own, it can lead to error and wrong solutions. You know, any time that there's something that you need to process or work through, don't do it by yourself. Go to Scripture. Go to prayer. Because if you do it on your own, there's no telling where you're going to end up. Only God's never wrong. Your family can be wrong. As much as they love you, your family could be wrong. You know, uh, your friends can be wrong. Society, even if society accepts it or says it's okay or tells you this is how things should be, society could be wrong. And even our own minds and our own experience can be wrong. They all tell us things, many times conflicting things, and we have something solid and firm and true to count on to look to and to be led by, and it's the Lord and it's Scripture. It doesn't fail. It's always true. It's always right. It doesn't change. God will tell you who you are and who you can be with Him. He'll tell you who the enemy is and how to resist Him. He'll tell you how to have victory, how to receive his blessings, how to live our life with joy. He's got the best plan in the right way, and he provides what we need to live it. And he'll help us through it, whatever it is. Whatever we're going through, he'll help us. Get in the Word and ask him for help with what you're dealing with. Don't decide it on your own. We're, we're so smart on our own, aren't we? Lord, help us. Um, so this friend of mine, friend and I, we were handling this information on our own. We are talking about it, two 14-year-olds. How much wisdom do we have? Two 14-year-olds. And we're discussing it, you know, and at first we were discussing it with shock, but uh, the more we talked about it, you know what we found? This was so interesting. We started remembering things in our life that fit in with this. I mean, well, you know, this did happen. We bet, oh, I bet that was, that was probably an indication. You know, maybe you've always been that, well, you know, this happened to me too. Oh, well, I mean, that could mean, you know what I mean? Um, and you find what you look for, don't you? I mean, if you think someone's upset with you and doesn't like you, you're going to pick apart everything they do. Look, she didn't look at me. It's because she doesn't like me. Did you notice that? She said hello to her, but not me. You know why? She doesn't like me. Oh, they picked... They ask them to lunch because I'm not, they don't like me. And I, I mean, we just see what we look for. We see what we look for. And God will tell you how to, what to look for and what to think about. And then guess what happens? That's what you start seeing. And suddenly your life is better. And, you know, somebody didn't talk to you. Oh, well, they, you know, that didn't, didn't see me. Or, you know, they're talking to them. Or how many times have I walked by someone and not said hello? I mean, it just straightens your thinking out. Praise God for that. Um, so I'm, we're remembering things in new ways, finding what we look for. 
and uh, what we want to see. And so I was at this crossroads, and over time, being in this crossroads of, wow, you know, maybe I am, maybe I haven't been, and, you know, I, I really don't want to get pregnant outside of marriage, and I don't really know that I want to get married, and, and yet, you know, I've had these sexual experiences, so doors are open for me. And what are you supposed to do with all that? And so what I did with it was I gave in to this lifestyle. You know, we've got to start flirting, stop flirting with danger and stop thinking that we're so strong or that we'll never fall to this or that. It's only our closeness to God that gives us warning and opens our eyes and draws us to safety. If we find ourselves in things we never dreamed of, you know what we need to do? Run to God, not run from him. Lots of people are church members, and they, they get involved in an affair. God forbid. But you did. You got involved in an affair. Quit church and run away. Don't quit church and run away. Stay in church. Find someone. Confess. Repent. Ask people to pray for you. Help me. You know, the devil wants you to run away. You're worthless. You've messed up. You can't be in that church. You're going against everything that's right and true. You've gone against everything God said. God could just strike you dead. You're, I mean, devil tell you anything to get you out of church, to make you feel so bad about yourself it's not where you belong. Why does he do that? Because he's trying to get you off so you stay stuck. Maybe he'll get you off and you won't return, and I bet you know people like that. They've left for whatever reason. They were offended. They were hurt, and they've never come back. Oh, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. It's the best thing that we have in our life, the Lord. Don't let the enemy come between you and him. And you know, the devil sounds like he cares about you and that he understands that he's your friend. I just hate that about him. You know, something's happened at work, and uh, boy, you're, you're kind of upset with your boss. I can't believe that they gave me that assignment. And boy, the devil's right there. Yeah, why would they give that to you? I mean, that's not right. You got the last one, didn't you? Yeah, I did get the last one. That's right. You know, they probably just don't like you. And they this. And I mean, he'll have a whole conversation with you. You're talking with him, and it sounds like he gets exactly how you feel. But what he's doing is he's making you bitter and angry at your boss. What he's doing is he may lead you to end up leaving that job by quitting or possibly by getting fired. You start picking people apart. The devil does that. The devil never, if you ever pick people apart, that's not God. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, you know, Alice isn't doing everything you're doing. I mean, you moved five chairs. I think Alice only moved two. And now, and now you're counting. And, you know, if you do that in marriage, too. Well, I feel like I've given my 50, maybe 70. I mean, this guy's lacking behind, you know. God doesn't do that. He just has you keep giving a full 100. Just give. Just give. You know, I went through some struggles like that at work. And when I listened to the enemy, work was unpleasant. When I listened to God, it was just so different. I just hate the devil. I hate what he does with us and how he talks with us. And I hate that we listen to him. He entices us by telling us things like, "It'll, you know, go ahead and try this lifestyle. It'll be fine. Or, you know, this could be the answer. I mean, after all, this, that, and the other. Or there's really not any other way. And then if you get in it, then if you do it, then if you have... Uh, that affair, or you have that thought, or you do that thing, whatever it is. You know what he does next? He'll beat you up with guilt and shame. He doesn't say, see, isn't that good? You made a good choice. This is wonderful. He'll beat you up with guilt and shame. Just beats you up. 
He hates you. Yeah, it's not that he hates us so much of it. We're so worthless. We're like dirt on the bottom of a shoe. We're just a toy to uh, upset and do things with because he'll hurt God because God loves us. Imagine someone messing with your child. How would you feel? He wants to get at God a lot more than he does at us. And boy, that just gets to me so much to think that that's what he does, that he causes me pain and suffering because he wants to attack God, and he wants to steal uh, whatever God has good for me, because that hurts God too. Um, anyway, he's trying to drive that wedge between God and I, or between you and God. And maybe he tells you it's God's fault that this happened. You know, that's God's fault. He could have stopped this. He could have stopped that hurricane, which I believe God can stop a hurricane. It says there's nothing impossible for God, but it doesn't mean he stops everything. Or all of us in this room who are Christians would have no testimony of anything with the monies, right? It'd be like a test of glory or something. Oh, now that I'm a Christian, it's all glory all the time. I haven't had any struggles. Um, so anyway, he'll tell you that, that it's God's fault, or he'll say that God let you down because he didn't stop this. He used that with me some. Well, why'd God let you come live here? God already knew what your uncle was doing to you. You already prayed. You prayed before your mother died, please don't let me go live there. One of the prayers I prayed was, please don't let me be lost. Why is a 12-year-old out in the cemetery praying, Lord, please don't let me be lost? I think God was giving me insight, maybe into what was ahead. That's what a loving father does. Hey, kiddo, you head down this path, this could happen. Or, you know, I know you're about to go to college, and let me tell you what it was like for me because I want you to avoid these. I mean, maybe God was setting me up and giving me some warning. I remember I believed that if I hadn't let fear rule me, that I could have said something to some very great, nice people who wanted to take me in and who were sitting right there in front of me volunteering, but I wouldn't speak up. You know, almost let him do that to me with his conference. Here's a chance to tell about me. Oh, I don't know if I really want to get in front of people. And almost let fear again rule. Hey, you ought to post this on your Facebook. Let everybody know what you're doing. Go ahead and let everybody know all about your past. Oh, fear. Somebody said to me recently, you know, he's got the same tricks. It's not anything new that he does. It's the same stuff. It's just the topic's different. And maybe the approach is different, but it's the same thing. It's just fear. Fear started with me as a little girl, a little girl at nine. And here I am, 58 years old, and fear still tries to get me. But I'm learning more and more to go, well, even though I feel afraid, this is what I'm going to do. Um, God loves us, so it's a lie when the devil says this. He's the only one who understands and who's able to give us victory. So when I got into this lifestyle, I felt remorse, you know, at first. Gosh, you know, this is wrong. I mean, I know this is, it's really not for me. And again, this isn't everybody's story. Some people get involved in this. They're like, wow, this is great. This is for me. I got involved when I thought, man, this just isn't, this isn't for me. I felt remorse. But, you know, if you don't act upon that remorse, if you don't act on those feelings that are telling you no, they fade away. And that's what happened with me. And, you know, everybody wants love and they want affection. And there's good ways and wrong, wrong ways to get it right. 
And God wants us to have that love. You know, sometimes we do. We feel unloved and we feel like no one loves us. That's a lie. It's not true. But we can feel that way. And we can start looking for it somehow. And a lot of times we find it the wrong way. God created us for love. If we'll follow his way, we'll find the love that we need in the ways that we need it. God loves me unconditionally. He loves me in spite of my weaknesses and my disobedience. And he loves me enough to tell me truth. So I thought this lifestyle might help, but it didn't. I didn't address my real issues. I just took them with me into this lifestyle. And I might have kind of looked fine on the outside, but I was unhappy. I was unsatisfied. I hid behind busyness and fun. I drank to have a good time, spent a lot of time in bars dancing. Um, I lived for the party, but parties end, and then you're left with your thoughts and your life again. I felt like uh, the dreams for my life were lost. And I remember that the, the peace and the joy that I once had, how close I'd been to God, how I talked to him about everything, and that they were my happiest times, but I felt hopelessly separated from God, and I felt like it was my doing. I'd made choices and done certain things that had taken me in, in wrong, wrong directions. And I had a lot of anger. I was an angry girl. I was angry uh, for a lot of years. Again, I said I was tired of crying. Anger was an easier emotion. But God was still there the whole time, drawing me back, calling me, loving me in my mess. Many years slipped by with hardly even a thought of him. I mean, he was right there the whole time. And boy, that's a, you know, he was in all that filth that I was in. He was right there the whole time. And he loved me. Wow, that's the God we serve. But I ignored him. He never let go of me, but I let go of him. But he was about to show me that he still loved me. And he was going to let me see a real good picture of who I'd become because I didn't like to think about who I was or what I was doing. It wasn't a pretty picture. So staying busy and drinking and partying and all this stuff kept me busy and I didn't have to think about it. And, you know, everybody's probably gone down some path or made some choice that you regret. But there is a way back. You know, and I did. I will say that a couple of times I tried to do it on my own, uh, but I'd fall again, especially during times of stress or weakness. Uh, we have to face and confront and expose things that we want to overcome. And I didn't do that. I was just trying to stop it on my own. And, you know, I take responsibility for where I ended up. I can point to things, but in the end, I had a choice. And uh, I had gotten in this, but I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't like my life. I didn't like the way I acted. I knew I'd known the Lord, and it sounds odd, but we can be so far away from the Lord sometimes that we forget who we are, and we forget whose we are. We forget what we were given. But God, I love this from Ephesians, but God, so rich is he in mercy, he never leaves or forsakes us. So rich is he in mercy. I say that all the time, but God, so rich is he in mercy. He just is. So this is how I got out of that lifestyle. This is another miraculous story. God, he must use miracles in me because I'm too stubborn any other way. I don't know why, but I just love him so, and I love how he deals with me. So I'm in college, and I was in this canoeing class, and there were a lot of uh, other gay girls in there, this big group of us. And 
there was this end of the year canoe trip and we were so excited, man, this was a getaway for us. And it was just us going. You know, there was the instructor going, but we kind of thought the instructor was okay with all this anyway. And I mean, it was going to be this fantastic party time. And, and um, you know, so we were getting ready to go on the trip and we noticed this one weird girl who had been in our class all year. Her name was Michelle. I love to say her name. Her name is Michelle Stoughton. And I have searched for her on Facebook and I've never been able to find her. I've gone back and searched with other people and I'd love to find her again. But, but anyway, so her name was Michelle Stoughton, and she was going on this trip, and she was this weird girl. And, you know, I was an angry, mean girl. And here came this little weird girl on our canoe trip, and I was really, really not happy about it at all. I mean, it just it made me angry that she was coming, and she was going to ruin our fun. And, you know, as a teacher, I always had this story to go back to on bullying and stuff. It really helped me even as a teacher. But I was mad at this Michelle, and she has ruined our, our fun. And, you know, we just looked at her. And I remember a couple of us went up to her, are you sure you want to go on this trip? Why are you going to go? You don't need to go on this trip. We just went and said that right to her. She goes, well, you know, I wanted, I wanted to go canoeing. I mean, it was the last thing in the classroom. Yeah, well, you don't need to go. There's no room for you. You know, I mean, we were really trying to get her to say no, but she was going. So our teacher came out, and they were assigning canoe partners. And guess whose partner she was? <laughs> you know, uh, they assigned her to me. Michelle was my partner. And, I mean, I was devastated. I went to the teacher, why did, why did you give me Michelle? And Michelle could hear it. Why would you give me Michelle? You know, everyone gets a partner, and that's who, who you have. Just go sit down. Gosh, you know what I'm talking to my friends, and uh, I'm I'm really upset about this thing. And uh, we're driving down there. We're kind of all talking in this van and to each other, but everyone ignores Michelle. No one will talk to her. No one's really sitting by her. I mean, we leave space around her, and uh, we, we whisper things. And they weren't always necessarily about her, but um, we're just excluding her. I mean, y'all get the picture, right? We're women. We, we know about mean girls. We've probably been on both sides of the fence at one point or another. And I find out as we're driving down that whoever's in your canoe is in your tent. I thought, I thought man, this is just, you know, I, I just hated this whole thing. So anyway, we get in the tent and we're, we're paddling down the river and all and, you know, I'm with her and, Man, I'm ragging at her, picking at her the whole time. Pedal that way. Move it over there. You can't. Come on, faster on that side. And, you know, of course, I'm boss of the canoe, you know. And um, poor Michelle. And she tried to be so sweet. And she tried to talk about the birds and the trees. Isn't this river pretty? Look how, look how beautiful those trees are and those birds are. And, you know, didn't God make beautiful things? I remember her saying something about, didn't God make beautiful things? And I remember it just went all over me. You know, why would she bring up God? Why would she bring up God? And I just hated her talking about birds and trees. And, you know, I ignored her and I, and I made fun of her. And the whole time she was never mean back to me. Every now and then in her face I could tell that what I had said had wounded her. I think secretly I kind of enjoyed that. I was glad that I would wounded her because she was ruining my fun. But she was never mean back to me. She put up with a lot. You know, I'd wandered so far from God, 
and I'd wandered so far from how I wanted to be that I didn't even know it ever existed. When she mentioned God, it didn't do anything to me that made me think, well, I knew God, or I loved God, or yeah, God did that. I just hated to even hear his name. Can you believe it? I had forgotten all the months when my mother was sick, and God supplied me with this beautiful garden-like setting, this park-like setting right by my house with all these gorgeous, beautiful oak trees and all these birds in the trees. I'd forgotten it all and how much it meant to me and how I went there and I met with the Lord. How could I forget that? How could I forget that? And it didn't click. It didn't click on this trip when she said that. It was all so distant to me. I was so blind. I was so hardened. I was so angry. So we, you know, I mean, in the tent at night, I just, I mean, I did everything I could to harass her and make her feel bad and, and, you know, just ignoring her and hurting her feelings. So finally the, the canoe trip's over and we're pulling up to the dock to get out and I'm glad it's over because I can finally be rid of Michelle. And as we pull up to the dock, this good-looking man gets out of this car, Hispanic man. His name is Arturo. I did investigate him, Michelle. I found, I found him. His name is Arturo. And he gets out of this car, and uh, he's got these flowers. And he starts walking down to the dock. And I'm thinking, I wonder, wonder who that is, because there's no one there at this dock. We're on this river. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And when Michelle gets out of my canoe, she starts walking towards him. And all these other girls and stuff were kind of watching. And she walks over to this good-looking young man. And he embraces her. And from the back, I can see that she's crying. And suddenly... It's those suddenly moments. Suddenly I was so aware that she was a person. She wasn't an annoyance. She wasn't someone that was in my way or stopping my fun. She was a person with feelings. hurt her feelings and I'd made her cry and I'd been mean I'd been mean for years and it was as if I woke up from a dream and I thought where have I been who am I what am I what am I doing how can I treat somebody like that He walked her to the car and put her in. He opened the door for her and put her inside. He was such a gentleman. He, he gave her these flowers and he just hugged her and kneeled there beside the, the passenger side. And then he gets up and shuts the door and he starts walking to the ramp. Fear came over me. <laughs> I thought he's going to come knock the snot out of me or something and I, and I deserve it. He's going to beat us all up. I had, I had no clue. He came over, and he and he. It, when he got pretty close, he opened this smile like you've never seen. He was the most handsome guy, and I know I know a lot of his handsomeness, 
was his heart. He smiled real big. Can I help y'all? He helped us load every canoe. <laughs> he was kind. <laughs> he was sweet. And I saw how he loved Michelle. And all it made me think of was Jesus. That that's how Jesus felt about me. As horrible as I was, as many terrible things as I'd have been doing, that's how Jesus still felt about me. Is that not incredible? Is God not awesome? I felt awful. I had this clear picture of who I was. Michelle and Arturo drove away. <clears throat> and the rest of us got in the van for a four-hour van ride back. And the entire van was silent. Nobody talked. I wasn't the only girl that saw that. I wasn't the only girl affected by that. Now, I don't know what the other girls were doing, but I know what I was doing. I was talking to God. And I was crying silently, you know. How could you love me after all I've done? But he did. He loved me so very much right where I was, right in my mess. You know what else I did in that van? I repented. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know how I got here. Forgive me. Help me. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to live this way. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to him from far away. Boy, I was far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's how God loved me, with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. He never left me. I left him. He never gave up. When I got back home, he helped me break ties with all these friends, oh my gosh, I have no clue how hard that was. It was terribly hard. It was a birthday. This is almost, I mean, I just had a birthday. I had a birthday right then too. Zero people around me. I've got a really cool story and I can tell it, but God brought me a birthday present, a dog. It's, the, it's a great, it is one of my greatest stories, a birthday gift from God because I was there by myself crying. I left all this behind, Lord. I cut all my ties with all my friends. I mean, I broke all my records. To you know, breaking all my rare. I had nothing. And now it's my birthday and no one even knows. And in the midst of this praying and crying, I hear this, this howl. And it really disturbed me because, you know, I still have my temper. It's like, get that dog quiet. I am trying to have a, a pity party in here. And I remember I went outside. There was this little mangy dog. And, you know, get. I went back in and tried to get in that really low spot again, you know, really cry out to God about how I'd done so much and why didn't, you know, and it's my birthday. This howling sound again. Anyway, that was a great dog. But I'll save that story for some other time. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever hides his transgressions will not succeed. But whoever confesses and forsakes him will find mercy. Isn't God good? 
But, you know, there was one there was one little issue is I really, really, really felt so bad about how I treated Michelle, and I longed to find her and tell her how sorry I was and tell her what happened uh, from this canoe trip. And y'all have heard, I mean, I tried to hunt her down in Facebook and everything. You know, we don't always get to go back and make things right when we've done wrongs. You know, we don't get to right the wrongs we've done to others. We can be forgiven, and we can let him change us so that we don't make the same mistakes again. That's a great thing to do when you can't go back. Sometimes you can't go back because they're gone. Sometimes you can't go back because you don't know who they were. Sometimes you can't go back because they're dead now, right? But we can pray for those that we hurt. We can ask God to make it right. The very best thing we can do is that we can press on and we can follow Jesus. And that Again, that's how you change the past and you change the future. You live right. You start living right. And you know, we can feel so far from him. It can be too hard and take too long. It's a lie from the enemy. It's not going to be too hard and take too long. I tell you, when I thought about getting out of this life, I thought I didn't even know if I could get out or how long it would take. And I got out like that. How would I get out? Some guy hugged a girl. And it, and it was gone. I mean, it sounds silly, but that's exactly what it did. It, the blinders just fell off. It can be that one thing. Don't let the devil tell you your marriage is shot. It can never be back. It can be that one thing. Don't let them tell you your kid's gone. They'll never return. It can be that one thing. It can happen in an instant. He's always near. He's ready to welcome us back. Don't give up. Don't quit. Tell him your hurts and fears. Aren't you tired of being miserable? I was so tired of being miserable. Aren't you tired of hiding what's in the side of you? Let him help you. Stop listening to the, eye, the lies of the enemy. You can do these things with his help. Don't give up on your wayward child. Don't give up on that lost relative. I've got relatives that are in this lifestyle. Don't give up on them. Pray for them. God can undo in an instant what took years to build, and he can build in an instant what took years to tear down. It might look bad, but hold on to your faith. Hold on to his word. Love them where they are, whoever it is. God has so much more than we can imagine, and he still had a surprise for me. I don't know why God's so good to me, but I just feel like he's just so good to me. I just love him so. Three months later, I met this friend. Uh, This is the friend that's actually got me going to China. I mean, I've known this person forever, and... um. She had got me in this great little church. Little Spirit-filled church is in Denton, Texas. This is where this happened. And um, I was in there praising God one, one day, and I'd only been there a few times. And I looked up there, and my eyes rested on the back of this girl, and I knew who it was. It was Michelle. It was Michelle. There she was in this church. God's so awesome. He never ceases to amaze me. You know, I wanted to tell her so much that I was sorry for being mean. I wanted to tell her how I got there. I wanted to tell her that I knew the Lord too, believe it or not. I knew the Lord too. I wanted to tell her how I became a mess and let her know the outcome. And I was a little bit afraid to approach her. See, there's that fear again. Don't go talk to her. You'll ruin her day. She'll hate it. She'll be scared of you. He'll beat you up this time for sure. (laughs) Because Arturo was sitting next to her. So I'm scared, and I thought, you know, God, you've given me this opportunity. 
So when church let out, you know, everybody's heading to the back door, but I'm, I'm heading against the flow of traffic. And I am focused on Michelle, and I'm scared. My heart's beating. I'm scared. And I walk up to her. You know, I want her to know all this stuff. I want her to know I didn't even remember who God was. And um, Anyway, when she stepped out in that aisle and her eyes found mine, there was a little bit of shock and horror in her face. You know, oh my gosh. And I knew there would be. I was prepared. And then, you know, then Arturo steps out and he, get, he steps right in behind her and holds her because he probably thought there's that evil girl. You know, I'm going to stay. But he had the warmest smile. And then um, before I could reach Michelle, her face changed to a smile. And, you know, she was my same age. We were in our early 20s. And this is how close Michelle was to the Lord. Even after as mean as I'd been to her, she sees this mean, wicked girl in church. And at first there's a little shock. But then she changes it to a smile. And it was a warm and a sincere smile, I could tell. And I got to tell her that I was sorry, and I got to share my story of what had happened, and I got to tell her how much she meant to me, how much credit I gave to her for my turnaround because of the way she treated me. And I got to tell her about how the van was silent and how she probably touched every girl on that trip, even though for her it was a painful, unpleasant experience, all the lives that she touched. And I asked her to forgive me. And of course she hugged me, and of course she said she did. And then I told her I don't ever have to come to this church again if you don't want me to. Because <laughs> I thought this was her church. I didn't want to ruin it for her. She was like, oh, no. I'm glad that you're here. I want you here. And Michelle and I became friends. Is God good? And Michelle, Michelle married Arturo. They got married. Um, God's so wonderful. You know, he's always at work if we just listen. I don't know where I'd be without him and without his love. I don't know if there's any of you that are still suffering or hurting from anything in your past or you're still being beat up for mistakes that you've made or you're stuck in some kind of destructive behavior or emotion. But if you are and you're tired of going around the same thing over and over, if you're tired of living a life that's less, God doesn't want to give you a life that's less. Then you need to come to him. You need to repent. You need to ask him to renew your mind, to change your life. You need to get in that word. I'm telling you, it's so much better on the other side. Don't listen to the lies that tell you you can't or it'd be too hard. It's not. There may be a little little difficulty to some of it, but he's right there with you all the way through it. Don't let fear keep you down. Let your past become your testimony. He died to give us so much. Let's not refuse to accept it and use it. I'm done. Thanks for listening to me, guys. Thank you so much.